Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, and I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you have friends or family who can't watch the show live, either here or in Idaho, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com, and they can click on the TV shows, go to watch the show live, and watch the streaming video from anywhere in the world. We've had some difficulty with streaming video, so they may just get the audio with with some... uh, scattered pictures, but they can still hear the entire audio from anywhere in the world. I've had a bad haircut this week. My glasses broke. We're having camera problems. Our pets' heads are falling off. I'm just kidding. And we uh, are having a great time, though, because the Lord is blessing the ministry. We have people coming to Him, and uh, we praise God for that. This is our final reading of the names in the house. We're not going to be doing that anymore. We're changing. We're adapting. So here it is, the final audience, Mary Ellen, Glenn Jr. and Glenn Sr., Lindy, Derek with a nice little heart by his name, Brandy, Crystal, Kelsey, Danita, Derek, Chance, Lydia, Jed, Lane, Richard, Bob, and Robert. That is the last time we will read the audience names, and they're a fine-looking, intelligent, well-dressed audience, so it's good to have them here tonight. But we're going to adapt. Speaking of adaptation, many of you have noticed that we've taken the message board down on the website. Uh, You've also noticed that we stopped doing the local pastor in the pub uh, after the show. Why? The ministry has been around for over four years now, and we tried when we started to be a place where people could come and exchange ideas. And we no longer care to be that kind of place for people. We know they exist through blogs and other message boards. But uh, Born Again Mormon at the website and other things that we're doing, we're not going to be doing that any longer. I actually am going to sort of publicly repent for doing that, and I'll tell you why. We've kind of been like someone who owns a magazine stand out on the street. And in an effort to give everybody a shot at free speech, we've allowed pornography to come and be on our stand. And, you know, it hasn't done anything for the people who are truly searching Uh, Well-intentioned people have come to the site and they have been confused because we've allowed people to come in who are defenders of the LDS faith and mix it in with a bunch of terrible stuff and unreliable stuff and man-made stuff. And so the website hasn't been a place on the message board for people to come and get the true straight shot Christianity. 
So we're going to adapt. We're going to head in a new direction. There's going to be more instruction, more information on Christianity. And then we're going to have some video uh, uh, feeds of people giving their testimony about how they came to understand the Lord and come out of Mormonism. So uh, you can have kind of a reference of what's going on in people's lives, what to expect if you're doing that, etc., etc. So we'd rather spend more time uh, presenting the truth rather than defending ourselves against people who uh, cast out lies. So that's how it is. Hey, on the first Monday night in May, we're going to be holding an uh, open water baptism in a backyard in Sandy. If you're interested in that, go to www.bornagainmormon.com for address or more information. You can also email us. If you haven't made a public profession as the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in your life, uh, baptism is a, is a great biblically recommended way to do it. And uh, so we do it uh, regardless of your denomination or if you haven't done it, if you don't go to church, you're welcome to come. So get ready for that first Monday night in May. Then in June, as I've said, we're going to be having war camp. And that is going to be a two-day, one-night stay next to a river here in beautiful Utah. Fishing, talking about manly things. All men and uh, their sons are welcome. Bring a sleeping bag and your own grub. And we're going to talk about all things manly from the Bible. Uh, and ladies, don't be offended because we haven't had a women's camp yet. No one stepped up to, to tell us they want to head that up. I wouldn't know what to say at the women's camp. So if you're interested in doing a women's camp and it's biblically based to teach uh, Christian women how to be better Christian women, let us know and we'll support you. Rain Down USA, it's the thing coming up. Uh, just want to let you know that there is 3,000 seats available at the Cottonwood Auditorium. We're all going to be praying as a nation when this occurs. And so it's uh, on 4-26-08, and it's going to go from 4 to 7 p.m. at 4 o'clock in uh, Washington, D.C. Michael W. Smith is going to be playing, I, and we're going to start praying then. I really don't know the particulars but you can also go to uh, Cottonwood High School and participate from 6 to 7 in group prayer for the state of Utah. I think it's a good deal. Uh, Josie sent me a report that came out from Salt Lake City, Utah. It says the Public Affairs Office of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints complimented U.S. media outlets for being careful to distinguish between a 13 million member international church and a small polygamous sect raided in Texas by state officers this week. They're really proud that the media has been differentiating between the two. However, the church said that some uh, international news outlets were running misleading reports that confused the church with the polygamous group. Some news outlets have even run photographs of the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City alongside of the story of the polygamists. And it's really important, it says, for the LDS church to let people know that there's a big difference between those people who practice polygamy and who the church is, this 13 million member-wide uh, institution. I want you to know that that 13 million member-wide institution has not renounced polygamy. They've merely renounced the practice of it today. In fact, they still practice it spiritually, meaning if I was LDS and my wife passed away, I could take another woman, be sealed to her in an LDS temple tomorrow, and have her become one of my wives after this life. And if she died, I could get another one. And if she died, I could get another one. So it almost lends to wanting to kill your wives. But uh, just kidding, that was a joke. Uh, but anyway... You can still practice spiritual polygamy in the church, in the LDS church today, the big institutional church, 
and it's still part of their doctrine in section 132. They have not renounced the doctrine. They still believe it's an eternal principle, but they try to do all these little games to have their way and to uh, and then to argue it too. All right, John the Stonecutter sent us a um, email talking about how he uh, is a man who came out from the LDS church. He's born again. He's a full-blown Christian with his wife a little bit later. And how he saw a uh, Christian singer by the name of David Crowder singing a song called uh, a hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King. It's a beautiful Christian hymn written by St. Francis of Assisi. And, uh, and so... John the Stonecutter watched this, and you can go on uh, the internet and listen to David Crowder sing All Creatures of Our God and King. And then someone in his family who's LDS said, hey, you know, that's in the LDS hymn books. And he thought, well, yeah, it is. And so he looked it up, and lo and behold, he said, they've neutered the song. They have taken out some of the greatest verses of praise. They took out the verse, all things their creator bless and worship him in humbleness. Oh, praise ye, hallelujah, praise Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise ye, oh, pre praise ye, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One day we're going to do a show on what the LDS Church has done in their hymnal to songs they have borrowed from the Christian Church. I spent about two weeks, years and years ago, going through and, and marking all the changes, and it's really quite fascinating about what they've done, how they've removed certain phrases that talk about worshiping um, uh, God and Jesus and different things like that. Someday we'll do it. Okay. Um, and an interesting side note, I received a call from the LDS church headquarters last week. A man named Robert Howell in the public relations department here, there at the church headquarters, right down the street, has been said he's been receiving a number of calls from people who are saying that someone named John who calls this show is representing himself as LDS and a member of a bishopric. So I let Brother Howell express his peace as he talked to me. He let me know in no uncertain terms that John does not represent the LDS church and that he's pretty certain that no such person named John O'Fallon was in a bishopric in Nauvoo, Illinois. When he was done presenting this position, I let him in on a few important things. First, I explained that the man may call himself John, but it doesn't necessarily mean that his name is John. The second thing is, is his last name is not O'Fallon, but he's from O'Fallon, uh, Illinois, or that's where he says he's from. The third thing is Nauvoo, Illinois, has never been part of anything he has said or I have said, and so I don't know where they got the idea that he's from Nauvoo, Illinois. Finally, I explained that John has never represented himself as a spokesperson for the LDS Church, but only as a faithful believer in the church who has served as in a bishopric. Brother House then stood corrected, but he went on to say that surely we would want someone in the name of accuracy and fairness to represent the church correctly when they called into the show. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, no true member of the church would make a comment like John did about forbidding his wife from watching or saying my name in their house. And I let him know that while he may not do that with his wife, or I may not do that with my wife, there are certainly LDS men who would forbid their wives to be doing certain things, and they're out there by the scores. Uh, Brother Howell then sort of transitioned into the job title that he has assumed, public relations for the church. 
and he went on to tell me that he too has had experience in television, was once uh, answering calls for a show, and how there's some different processes we could employ to maybe get some not so reliable people calling and voicing their opinion. It was uh, it, it was as if he was trying to suggest we do a better job screening our calls. I maintain that John truly is LDS. I firmly believe that he is, and he embodies the traditional LDS stalwart male attitude. Uh, John, if you're watching this, I want you to know that the church headquarters called me to talk to me about you, and they don't believe you're LDS. And if you're LDS, they want you to shut your mouth. Now, what does that say to you, my friend? You call with an honest heart, revealing what you truly, truly believe and feel, and they want to know where you are. In fact, he even told me he wants to find you so he can stop you from doing what you're doing. I also received, just to end this up, one of the ardent LDS defenders of the faith, known as the somebody, sent me an email and it said that he is 95% sure that John O'Fallon is not a member of the LDS church. This is typical, an LDS apologist claiming near certain knowledge on a topic and he doesn't even have his facts right. Oh well, oh well, oh well, okay. Finally, two weeks ago at our traveling pastor meeting in American Fork, I met a man named Jim. He was a very nice man, used to be LDS with his wife, they were older. And uh, he mentioned something, and it's caused me again to repent. I have always taken the stance when people have called the show or emailed me, and they have said, should I take my name off the records of the church? And I've always been, that's really up to you. I think that, you know, in some cases it's good to do. In other cases, maybe it doesn't even matter. And finally, we don't even know if they'll do it if you ask them to do it. And then Jim told me that, he thinks it would really be a good idea for everybody who has been fence-sitting and everybody who has, uh, is not active or believes in the church to get on the stick and have their names removed for a number of reasons. First, send a message loud and clear that you don't stand for what they represent and the things that they represent either in practice or in doctrine. Have them change their doctrines and their practices uh, and they might do that if they watch their membership numbers fall. Secondly, it will take the bishops and stake presidents more time and paperwork in their bureaucracy to go through and do these name removals, and they don't like to do it. So I've changed. I've repented again on another subject, and you're going to see that for me because I have to do it all the time in my personal life too. But I changed my opinion, and I say, Let's start taking the names off as often and frequently as possible. Let's send a message. If you're sitting on the couch and you've had your name on that institution and you think that means something and you don't care, write them and tell them to take it off. If you're a Christian now, write them and tell them to take it off. Go to the bishop, write them and say, take my name off these uh, rolls. Take them off. And let's persist and let's push that because maybe it will send a signal to them like, what's wrong? What's going on that people are wanting to do that? So I hope that uh, will work. With that, let's begin our show with a prayer. Dear Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're grateful for the fruit that you are bringing to this state and people who know you. And we give you the praise and the glory because you're doing it. We thank you for the airtime. Ask you to be with our audience, our listeners, our technical staff, our volunteers. In Jesus' name, amen.
Two weeks ago, if you recall, we introduced the paradigm or model for script writing. It consists of three acts, a setup act, act one, a conflict act, act two, and the resolution act, act three. I'm gonna show you that model in just a second with a graphic. And we said we're gonna present the basic elements of Mormonism in these three acts, okay? We said we're gonna call this script that's gonna represent Mormonism, the movie Twistianity, if you recall that. This tool may help you understand the what's and why's of Mormonism relative to biblical Christianity. You'll see from the graphic that the setup act consists of LDS beliefs supposedly taken from the pre-mortal existence. All right? All of these points in the setup of Mormonism act are based on things which Joseph Smith claimed happened relative to the pre-mortal existence. So let's look at the graphic so it will help you see what's going on. Oh boy. In the first one, you see the setup, okay, for the movie, Twistianity. In the setup act, we have, there's an eternal regression of gods. There's a belief that Jesus is a created being, our elder brother. There's a renunciation of the Trinity. There's Satan as our spiritual brother. There's a, the fall of Adam being good and upward. And there's the idea that all human beings are God's children from the very start, Okay. All of those beliefs over there in the setup act are the first act of Mormonism. And with all those beliefs, everything else come into play. So now we transition into act two, all right? The Mormon doctrines are pretty much set up by Joseph Smith and what he said happened in the pre-existence. Act two is the conflict act. And this is where Mormons say Christianity has failed to do what they should have done and so therefore it brings them in conflict with the world. The real conflict here is actually between what the Bible says and what the Mormons say the Bible says. So we're going to spend some time, hopefully that's not too convoluted, you'll understand it in time, but we're going to spend some time in the conflict act now and we're going to talk about what the Bible says versus what the Mormons say the Bible says relative to the church. Now, if you look at that graphic, graphic again, it says there is one true church. That's the, uh, part of the conflict act. Well, there's one true church. And from that premise, they have built an entire superstructure that they call this one true, true church. The LDS maintained the idea that Jesus established a church consisting of institutionalized offices you know, a one true, literal, under one roof, so to speak, congregation. Most of the cults, and I'm not using the word, but I am, most of the cults in the world always go by the one true church philosophy. They try to take over. Communism, the one true way. Uh, anything that has cultic mentality tries to make it the only, only way, and you have to have this way in order to do what's right. They insist that Jesus organized this institution construct and that he was going to let this church grow until he returned to be the king over it. This model relates much, much closer to the Roman Catholic idea and their claims of what church is uh, over the Protestant idea of what church is. In fact, LDS Apostle LeGrand Richards once made a great either-or claim years ago when he said in A Marvelous Work and a Wonder, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said that the true church on earth is either Catholicism or it's Mormonism. Okay? 
LDS Apostle LeGrand Richards wrote, the true church on the face of the earth is either Catholicism or it's Mormonism. There is nothing else, all right? So what he did was he eliminated all anybody else, and then he said, you look at the Catholic church, and it's either going to be them, and then you look at us, or it's going to be us, all right? Which ridiculously infers that either the Catholics still have the authority of Christ that has come down since Peter, or that God had to restore it back to earth through a guy named Joseph Smith. In other words, where the Catholics claim uninterrupted authority to act for Christ through a priesthood lineage, which has come down since Peter, Mormonism claims this authority was lost and corrupted and needed to be restored through Joseph Smith. This whole premise is nothing but a big fat straw man, meaning they've set something up here in order for you to knock it down based on selective and misinterpreted readings from passages of the Bible and the acceptance of a number of other man-made ideations. When, Pete, when Jesus said to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the Catholics have selectively ignored a truckload of other verses and have purposefully used this line to suggest that B Jesus built his church entirely upon Peter and a line of infallible successors. But the LDS in the shadows of the Dark Ages have injected themselves with selective amnesia by forgetting that Jesus also said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church that he established. According to LDS teachings, the gates of hell did, in fact, prevail against the Lord's church, so much so that the true church, as they would paint it, was completely removed from the earth. I would suggest that everyone ask themselves these questions. What did Jesus establish when he was on the earth? What did it look like? It. What did it look like? Was it a formal, actual building containing ordinances and religiosity and dogma? Or was it a saving message that redeems people through all sorts of miraculous manners and means and ways? Next, we should ask ourselves, did Jesus fail in establishing this gospel of salvation once and for all? When he said it is finished, was he just kidding? Did the gates of hell prevail, leaving millions of people shortly after his ascension in the dark to stumble around until Joseph Smith came back and being second, the most important person to Jesus Christ on the earth, bring this gospel back to uh, where it should be? Did Joseph Smith do something that Jesus Christ himself couldn't even do? I think we should also go ask ourselves, what do controlling men say God established on this earth to retain power? And what would God establish on earth to save people? Controlling men will tell you that God only operates within this specific church. Controlling men and women will always say you have to belong here. You know, and they're going to push that there's only one right way. But when we read the Bible, we find that there is only one right way when it comes to salvation, and that is Jesus Christ and faith in Him. But there is such a broad spectrum and so many different approaches to people getting that, receiving it, and how they express it through their lives as Christians. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is either, neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
in Christ Jesus, we are all one, not in the institution that we belong to. Finally, you need to ask yourself over the next few weeks if the construction of Mormonism is what the Bible says it is or what the LDS men and women say the Bible is. Is it truly constructed the way the Bible says it is? Now, years ago, there was an LDS man by the last name of Griffith, and he wrote a little tract that was called The 17 Points of a True Church. And I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the LDS Church publishes this little tract, and it's just a piece of paper, and it says 17 points of the true church. And you read these 17 points, and what they do is they take the Bible, and they use it to justify all the things that are in Mormonism, and to say this is why we are the true church. And uh, we're going to go through those 17 things. Now, I want you to remember a couple things. The true church is made up of believers. It is constructed of people who truly have faith and love and have been born again uh, by the Spirit uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. And they're all scattered throughout this world, okay? It is not a true church with a roof overhead, okay? Those are of men. But the LDS church is trying to get everybody to buy using like the 17 points of the true church that there is an institution out there that has gone through, they've made a list, okay, we gotta have that, we gotta have that, okay, we've got all those things, we must be the true church, okay? Think about this. All right, let's read the 17 points and then we'll talk about it quickly. Uh, let's see, number one, Christ organized the church. <laughs> number two, the true church must bear the name of Jesus Christ. Three, the true church must have a foundation of apostles and prophets. Four, the true church must have the same organization as Christ's church. Five, the true church must claim divine authority. Six, the true church must have no paid ministry. The true church must baptize by immersion. The true church must bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. The true church must practice divine healing. The true church must teach that God and Jesus are separate and distinct individuals. The true church must teach that God and Jesus have bodies of flesh and bone. The officers must be called by God. The true church must claim revelation from God. The true church must be a missionary church. The true church must be a restored church. The true church must practice baptism for the dead. By your fruits, ye shall know them is number 17. They use biblical references to support all those. Next week, we're going to go in and we're going, to, we're going to give you a response to every one of those 17 points and tell you what the Bible truly te teaches as to what the true church is. All right, let's open up the phones. 801-973-TV20, uh, 801-973-8820. Let's go to the phones. We have, uh, let's see, Mel on line four, a first-time caller. Mel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say uh, your show is a good show, and I believe in Jesus Christ. I have one question for you, sir. Yes. Um, were you a Mormon at one time? I was, Mel. I was LDS for 40 years, and I served a mission. I was married in the temple, and... Uh, 
and uh, raised my uh, children as long as I was in there for the 40 years. I came to know the Lord at the side of the road. I served as a, as a seminary teacher. I was in a bishopric, stake high council for four years. I was a high priest, elders quorum president, Sunday school teacher, young men's, the whole thing. I, I know it pretty well. And uh, well, yeah. So what changed your mind? Well, what changed my mind was I realized that as a member of the church, I was constantly on a hamster wheel trying to prove my worthiness and value, and inside I was still corrupt. And so uh, what happened was I had kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting, no pun intended, and I just uh, went to the Lord and I said, you know, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved, I need you to be the King and Lord of my life, and I experienced spiritual rebirth. And when I experienced that, I realized right then and there, there's something missing in the religious tradition I've been practicing. What was that? Oh, boy. I mean, we've done 105 hour-long shows that have explained what those things are. I would be more than happy to send you a book um, for free. You leave an address with one of the operators, and you can read that. It will tell you the story, and it will help delineate those things that are missing. So, Jesus Christ, that church you were in wasn't didn't give you enough enough of that no it didn't give me enough of it at at all it gave me a lot of good uh you know programs and it gave me good things to do with my kids you know and it it helped me dress better and stuff but it, it did not change my heart and so i was constantly trying to keep myself moral molding myself to be a good guy but inside, I knew that if I died, I would have a problem with my heart when God would see it. So uh, it led me to seek him, and when I sought him, he changed my heart. He gave me a new heart. I became a new creature in Christ, born again. And those were two words that you just don't hear very often, if at all, in the Mormon church. You have to be born again. So I wondered. I had this experience, and I'm like, I've had it. What's going on, Mel? And then suddenly I realized, wow, there's other people who have had this born-again experience, but the Mormons don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So, didn't Jesus Christ die for your sins? Absolutely, my brother. So, you don't, so that's not good enough. No, it's absolutely good enough. That's the whole point, is Jesus Christ dying for my sins was the whole point. And what I wasn't, I was never good enough as a Latter-day Saint because, you know, I had to do all the rites. I had to do the home teaching. I had to pay the 10%. I had to go to the temple. I had to do all the different things to keep me on. And that made Jesus Christ not good enough. It was those things that made him not sufficient. So do you think Jesus Christ would want you to do those things? Uh, No. I don't. I don't think that Jesus Christ has made me to serve a religion. I think that you're not serving a religion. You're serving God and Jesus Christ. I don't know how that. I don't know how you translate that, my friend. Especially understanding exactly what the whole Mormon thing's about contextually. I just don't agree with that. The church is always paramount in Mormonism. Everything is the church. Everything. Whereas in Christianity, the church is Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. But in, in Christianity, if it's, if it's true Christianity, l- few things are the church and everything is the Lord. Everything is Jesus. Everything's based around Jesus Christ. You know, it's really not, though. And I understand you believing that it is, but it really isn't. You know, I'm, I'm, and we could go into a long debated argument about what is and isn't. But Jesus Christ came. He said, my work is done. He did it on the cross. It is finished. 
and we have faith on that and we're saved if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts. That's the, that's the gospel right there. You know, and you and the LDS have a laundry list, a thousand items of things you have to continue to follow up on just to ensure that you're going to make it to one of the kingdoms. That's not biblical Christianity, my friend. Uh, all right. Well, you can believe what you want to believe. And Thank have you. Today. All right. You too, Mel. All right, uh, we're going to Monty on line two. Monty, you're on Heart of the Matter. Good evening, Sean, and welcome to Salt Lake City again. Thank you. This is Monty. I'm up on the mountain watching down on this whole city. It's quite the deal. The Lord has made an awesome situation. He's got them and them and them, black and white, young and old. I just sit up here and enjoy over it all day. But there's okay. just one little thing. What? Without all the doctrine and the suit and ties and the businesses, etc. Yeah. Let's go back to the one part where he said, raise the dead, heal the sick, restore sight to the blind, cast out demons, set the captives free. Basically, love your neighbor as yourself. These kinds of things. Well, when he said these things he'd done, he told us to do that also. So in his name, when we ask, I believe this with all my heart for the last 20 solid years. I've stuck to this one rule. If Jesus was here, this is what he would do. He would raise the dead, heal the diabetic, heal the depressed. And uh, we all know that he would do that. So we need to do that also. All right. Uh, in our town here, as I cruise around, I do come downtown once in a while, walk around. I see thousands of people that are without miracles. Why? Oh, well, there's a whole bunch of uh, speculation as to why. We're a faithless generation. We live in a very corrupt world. The Spirit doesn't move like it did at the early church for a number of other... Who knows why? All I can say is we don't see them like they did in the, in the olden days. Well, I would like to repeat the Great Commission. Let's do what he did. It takes a while to build your faith. But in the last 20 years, solid, I've seen dead raised from horses to men, even the chipmunk the other day. I know this sounds weird to them that's never seen it, and that's my astonishment. They've never seen this. How come? If well, this was here, they'd see it. Well, Monty, understand the, my perspective from the show, okay? We're talking to an audience of people who are mixed up in their beliefs. We're talking to people who they don't know if Jesus is God or if he's a created being who was created by Mary and God together. We're talking to people whose faith is so broken and shattered. And then I know in the goodness of your heart, Monty, you call, but you make a statement like you've seen horses and chipmunks raised from the dead. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm saying we got to have some wisdom here. We have to have some reason with who we're talking to and who we're sharing the truths of the gospel. We have read before, milk before meat. We have read these things. We want, you're trying to take elementary kids and have them take an advanced course in physics at a college level. Let's back off for a minute and let's just talk about the basics if, from the Christian experience rather than raising chipmunks from the dead. Can we do that? Well, I agree with you, but in the basics and all the doctrine... I've touched on, uh, you know, anywhere from Adventists, Catholics, and I've studied Mormonism quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I've had some time to read their stuff, and I get lost. I have the mind of a child. So I look straight up to God, and I said, Lord, 
if you said I could do these things, I'm going to go do them. Okay, well, that is awesome, Mel. And let me that tell is. you, I want to get your number. So when I keel over, you're there nearby, and you can just bring me right back up. I believe you can do it. If you have the gift, I think you can do it. But let's try to keep this thing, just this, this, working on bringing Jesus to him. All right? Okay, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Mel. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Brenda in Salt Lake City, line three. Brenda, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, it's Brenda Yu. Brenda Yu, how you doing? I'm good. I had to call you. I've got awesome news. What is it? I got my name removed from the church records. Oh, wow. Did they, no. send, they send you a confirmation letter? I did. I got a letter from my bishop saying that the request would be acted upon immediately, and we wish you the Lord's blessing as you go forward in your life. i got to tell you, I am shocked. You know the, the stress I had over this, and I just wanted to say it's an awesome idea, and I wanted to tell people, go ahead. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I went to utlm.org, Utah Lighthouse Ministries um, website. Under the topical index, you can go to LDS Church. Under that is a link for name removal. Mm -hmm. I followed the format of a letter that somebody else had written, mm -hmm. put in my own information and how I felt, mm -hmm. but kind of used that format, and it worked. They're taking my name off the record. I, I'm shocked. I'm, I can't even believe it. I'm so excited. That is awesome. Praise God. And what are you, no. doing, what are you doing now with your faith? Oh, you know. You know. Do you well, not? the audience doesn't know. I am a strong, happy Christian, so glad I found the truth, and so glad I know Jesus. He is Savior, he is my best friend, and my faith is stronger than ever. I am so happy. Praise God, Brenda. Thanks so much for calling. Hey, thank you, and good luck, everybody. Thanks, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. What Brenda said was, uh, go to, the graphic's not up, graphic guy, wake up back there, utlm.org. You go there and you just you just do a search or you look on how to remove your name. It says name removal, and you just take go to them and they'll walk you right through it. Do it, you guys. Those people out there, there's there's got to be at least thirty thousand of you, thirty thousand of you watching right now who fit this category. Let's do it. Let's make a mark. Let's make Thomas Monson sit up and go. Well, uh, what's going on? Why? And, you know, maybe some things will start changing. We want to change this church. We love these people. We want them to have something come about that opens their eyes and says, wow, wake up. All right? So let's do it. We're going to Gabriel and Leighton. Gabrielle, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hey, Sean. Uh, I uh, had a question, uh, two questions, actually, I wanted to ask. Uh, uh, my wife is... Uh, LDS person, I've called once before and I asked you a question about how to deal with it at an early point um, in our marriage, but how do you put up with ridiculous, ridiculous claims that, uh, such as, uh, you know, we have our, the name of the Savior in our church building, I mean, isn't that proof enough for you? Or... Well, you know, it doesn't matter what our previous prophets have said. You know, what matters is what our prophet says now. I mean, ridiculous things like this that, I mean, I try not to offend any, any LDS people out there, but it's, it's comical at certain points having a discussion with her. And uh, I feel like sometimes I, I, I can't even keep a straight face yeah. when I'm talking, you know. And and that was one of my questions. And the other one was, uh, what what uh, what kind of insight can you give me 
on a passage in Amos, uh, chapter Three. 8, 11, where LDS, the LDS missionary used uh, the other day when I was talking to her online. Uh, I don't think there's a chapter 8 in Amos, but maybe I'm wrong. Does anyone know? I have it, I have it open right here. It's Amos uh, 8, 11, 12. They've added some chapters to this book. <laughs> Amos 11, 12? Amos chapter 8, uh, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall see, and they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro, to seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. How do I answer that? I call it what the, I call it where we're at right now in the in the Christian church, that uh, we don't have churches preaching the word of God, that people run to and fro, running from one church to another to find the word of God, and they don't hear it. So that's how I answer that. Now, the missionaries or the LDS will apply that, saying there needed to be a restoration. But again, you know, you hear the words of man that are taught oh, at their supposed restoration, not the Word of God. It's always talking, when it says the Word of God, it's talking about the Bible. And he says there that there's going to come a time when people are going to be starving. They're going to be thirsting for this Word, and they're not going to get it. And that is, I believe, uh, uh, tied to Revelation, the Laodicean church, and how, you know, they want to hear themselves speak, and they're lukewarm, and they don't teach the Word. That's my opinion. Getting back to your first question, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, Gabriel, are love, patience, long-suffering, peace. And the thing that's going to bring your wife around is going to be you being a man that you weren't before. Or you being the kind of Christian that she wants to be like. It's not going to be your intelligence. It's not going to be your ability to argue with LDS points of doctrine. It's going to be the love you show her and the Christian ethic that is in your life as it plays out in your home. Yes, when she and then once she sees that in you and it's legitimate and real, she'll start to open up and just kind of verbalize some things and then you'll be able to calmly and peaceably talk to her about those ridiculous things that come up. But if you try to bring them or say, look how ridiculous, I mean... If she doesn't see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, why would she want to leave what she's got and then come over to what you're doing? Right, and I agree with you. And uh, the, what, what, what I mean by, you know, I can't uh, keep a straight face. I mean, those are kind of harsh words, but this is my own thoughts in my private moments. I mean, when I'm discussing it with her, I, I do try to ask the Holy Spirit to lead the conversation. I understand what you mean. I mean, I'm still a baby in Christ, and I'm still learning. Yeah. The, I, I've made some progress as far as that. I'm not in the, as I used to be in the flesh so much. Well, you know what? Your uh, admission of being a, a babe in the Christ is a great one because all of us who, when we first found the truth, we browbeat somebody to death. I can, I, you know, it's a big hasty generalization, but probably everybody when they first came to know Jesus took somebody who was important to them in their life and offended them permanently almost. So it's normal to do, but uh, you're growing and so you're on the right track. Now, I have to say this too. There are different methods for different people that can be used. Some methods are the hit them hard and they might need it. As the Holy Spirit guides you, maybe you should do that at certain points with certain people. Other people, it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit that manifests itself in your life as you are with them. And usually with a spouse, it's that way, in my opinion, than with the hard-hitting, uh, slamming them down. But, you know, that's my opinion. It's this opinionated show. I'm the host. You can take it as the Lord, uh, the Lord and the Holy Spirit leads. 
Hey Amen. And I'm going to go now, and I was just hoping that once I get off the phone, could you just quote a passage in the Bible where uh, Paul incur- uh, commands uh, a certain church, I can't recall which church it was exactly, for, for um, uh, trying, for testing what, what, what he had to say, and, and that way uh, they were commanded for that. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're not talking about the Bereans? Bereans? Acts chapter 17. 17. Acts chapter 17. Verse 11? Verse 11. Verse 11. Our scriptorians here just told me Acts chapter 17, verse 11. All right. Thanks, brother. You're welcome. God bless you. We got to keep the Kevin and uh, Robert on staff permanently. All right. We're going to Carl from Taylorsville. First time caller. Carl, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, uh, Sean. Hey, Carl. Bless you, my brother. Thank you. Bless you. Hey, uh, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my last couple of years of my life. I am 70 years old, and not quite a year ago, I found Christ. Wow. Praise God. It took me 60-some years before I finally just gave up organized religion. Mm-hmm. Said it ain't working. Mm-hmm. I had nothing but a burden of guilt and unworthiness. I wasn't even worthy enough to stand in the circle when my grandchildren were blessed. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought, man, I this isn't this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really be that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, since uh, I found Christ, and he's opened my heart, he's opened my eyes. Hmm. I can see things more clearly. I see things that he has created for me here on this earth. Hmm. And uh, it's beautiful. And I just would like to say that and uh, help Maybe somebody can hear this that hears it. Maybe will help them understand. Carl, that is uh, such a beautiful testimony. Uh, can you share briefly what uh, it was that led you to come to know him? Or how that happened in your life as an, as an active Latter-day Saint 67 years? Well, I'll tell you what. It was, it was my wife. Okay. She, uh, there's a lady, in fact, it's the pastor's wife, works where my wife does, and and she kept saying, you got to come to this church, and my wife says, well, I'm going to go, and I said, that's fine, I have no objections about you going, but uh, I, don't ask me to go. Mm-hmm. Well, in this short period of time, since she started going over to this church over in Draper, you know, it didn't mean nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, she was going through a lot of meltdowns, mm-hmm. and I noticed that her meltdowns were getting smaller and further in between. Huh. And I thought, my gosh, something's going on. Huh. I'm going to have to go over there with her and just see what's going on. Huh. Walk through that door, Sean, and... Walked through those door, those doors, and it was 
Amen. Carl, that is so wonderful. Could you do me a favor, if it's okay, if you can remember, what church was it? Yes, it's South Mountain. Okay, so there is a recommendation for anybody out there. South Mountain Church. I don't know who the, who's the pastor. Hey. Paul Roby. Go out there and check it out. Carl, God bless you, and thank you so much for sharing this with our, our uh, viewers. Thank you, and bless you. Thank you, Carl. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to uh, add something to that, and that is, wives, you if you're LDS and you're tired of it, and you see that there's a chance that something needs to be done. Sometimes your husbands are thinking the same thing, but they just don't have the wherewithal to get up and do it. So maybe you need to take the lead and say, honey, I'm just so overburdened. I want to have a relationship with the Lord. Can we try another church? Husbands, maybe your wife is the one gripping that iron rod and towing the line. It may take you to say, honey, I just can't take this anymore. But this type of stuff, it happens between husbands and wives. Don't fear losing your spouse. A lot of people do. You fear the Lord first. You find out who he is. You turn it over to him, and your marriage will be better, and it will be saved, God willing. So, all right, uh, I need that held up. Um, we're going to uh, Jason in North Salt Lake City. Jason, you're in Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Hey, Do I got this little companion guide book from the church. It's called True to the Faith. It came out in 04. I mean, it's a gospel gospel reference. I got to read you something out of it. It's about politics. Okay. This is a funny. It's on page 39. It says, okay, here we go. Ah, one key element of separation of church and state is the government's responsibility to grant freedom of religion. Latter-day prophets support this principle, as stated in the 11th article of faith. We claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where or what they may, consistent with the separation of church and state. The church does not endorse any political party or candidate. It does not permit the use of its buildings and faculties for political purposes. The church does not participate in politics unless there is a moral question at issue, in which case the church will often speak out. Also, the church remains politically neutral. You know, it sounds like Mitt Romney. Yeah. Church leaders encourage individual members to be involved as citizens. Interesting. It's on, it came out in 2004. It's a little companion book. But also, i got to say something also. Um, there's some people I know that are watching out in Layton, and is it okay if I give a shout-out to them? They just barely started watching your show. They're really interested in your show. Go ahead, Jason. Kids just want to hear their name. Okay, there's their mom, Cheryl, Jerry, Adonis, Kevin, Alicia, Chloe Doey. That's what I call her. And <laughs> I'll call you back next week. All right, Jason. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, we are going to... We're having a problem, a technical problem here. Our uh, our computer just failed. We're going to Allen in South Jordan. Allen, you're in heart of the matter. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm not going to say hi to anybody else. And uh... hello, Allen. This is Allen, the LDS apologist. How are you, Allen? Yes, yes, fine. I uh, just wanted to clarify a couple of things. Um, gates of hell in Matthew 16. Uh, if you check your uh, Greek. Uh, the gates of hell. Hell is the grave, and uh, the gates of hell is death. Uh, so a uh, death and hell, we're not going to prevail against Jesus. I think uh, uh, you, I think a lot of Mormons uh, look at it the way you were uh, interpreting it. But uh, 
but according to the Bible itself, it, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not the apostasy, it's, uh, it's the resurrection. Uh, another, another observation. According to the Bible itself, I disagree with you, but go ahead. Oh, oh, well, uh, uh, yeah, check, check the Greek. Uh, uh, it's not talking about an apostasy. Uh, Griffiths, uh, his name wouldn't be on there if it was published by the church. Yeah, I know. I, th I found that interesting, but... Yeah, you, you didn't, did mention it may not be published by the church. It's one to clarify. And then... Uh, well, was it published by the church? No, 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 no. Not if his name is on there. Well, his name is, is someone who is the one who put them together on the internet, but every internet resource said it's published by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The only thing they officially published is the scriptures and maybe Talmadge, but... Uh, uh, but um, and the ensign in the new era and the children's yeah, friend. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and the Deseret News. Uh, Deseret News, okay. Uh, Patriarchal blessings. Yeah. Excommunication notices. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, the manuals, church manuals. Okay, all right. Well, uh, so they publish a lot more than just the standard works. Okay, all right. Um, uh, Amos Saint Louis. Um, not being able to find the truth, uh, the Word of God. Uh, now, that doesn't include the uh, uh, heart of the matter, though, does it? What was that? I didn't understand your jibe. Oh, oh it says, uh, the Scripture said, uh, they'll, they'll go from uh, all over the world to try to find the Word of God and not be able to find it. Right. I was wondering if that includes heart of the matter. Well, heart of the matter is a television show. I can, I can assure you of this, Alan. If you come to Lord's Word which I suggest you do so you can hear the Word of God taught, uh, you'll hear us go verse by verse, and that's all we talk about is the Bible and teaching the Word. I mean, but you, being a smart man, should be able to differentiate between a Tuesday night television show and a church teaching the Word of God, shouldn't you? What I'm saying is we can find the Word of God uh, on the earth today. You can find the Word of God? You can. It's being taught in good Christian churches. Yeah, but Amos said you couldn't. We couldn't. Now you said that, uh, well, that you have to seek pretty hard. I mean, walk through even this state, and you have to look kind of hard to find churches that are teaching the Word of God. I'm not going to hold you to it. It does say you, you won't be able to find it, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's what Well, there, that may be true in the end. I don't know. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's good. Well, I didn't want to take too much time anyway. But yes, you did. Good talking to you. All right. You too, Alan. All right. Bye. Bye. -bye. Alan's a good guy. He's actually an enormous man. If you saw him in person, I met with him personally, and I was intimidated. Uh, let's go to Darren on line two from Provo. Darren, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Darren. How are you? Oh, not bad. Hey, if you got a minute, I'd like to share a miracle that the Lord gave me and my fiance. Let's hear it. You're right. You got a couple minutes? It's got to be quick, brother. All right. All right. All right. Anyways, my, my fiance got hurt. She ended up aspirating in her oxygen mask, and it made her drown, and she got serious brain damage. Anyway, she ended up in a rest home, you know, with all these old folks, not being able to go to the bathroom on her own and eating on her own. She had to eat baby food and whatnot. And I took care of her for about a month and a half with the people there, you know, the nurses. Anyway, they called me up and told me that there's no way that, you know, she's going to get any better because, you know, she's not making any improvements because we had therapy with her and stuff. And I told no, i got a bigger God than that. And there's a Mormon kind of thing going on there, and they, you know, because they got a lot of people in there too, a lot of older folks, and they like to walk around and talk to people, and they're talking to me and say, hey, can we lay hands on your uh, fiancé? And I told them, well, no, I don't want to mess things up with my God, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. I love you. And anyways, after they told me this about her, you know, uh, 
not being able to get better, I told her, you know, I got a bigger God than that. So I took her outside, wait, you know, took her out and said a prayer with her because where two or more are gathered together in my name, there you shall be. Uh-huh. And the next day, she woke up and started talking. Wow. And the day after that, she started going to the restroom on her own, started showering herself on her own. Now she's home after, you know, a few months, babysitting her grandbaby. And that's so cool. That is awesome, Darren. That, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with Mel's comment that uh, healing should be going on, and you've just called and testified of one that occurred that didn't happen with the laying on of hands by order of the Holy Melchizedek Priesthood. So now, we praise God for your faith, I, my brother. I, Jesus Christ. Thanks for sharing that. All said. Okay. Hey, welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Valerie on line three. Valerie, you're on Heart of the Matter. You have one minute. Okay. All this stuff that's going on with Texas, I'm really glad all of this is to getting taken care of, and I'm hoping it'll spread. However, this is basic fundamental Mormonism, and it's going to open a lot of eyes. My prayer is that all Christians would gather, go into their rooms, shut their door in secret, and have such a heart that they weep for these LDS people. Hmm. I was LDS, and somebody wept for me, and I came to Christ. Huh. And they just, we just need to love them so much that we weep for them, because we can't bring people to Christ if we don't love them. That's true. That's absolutely true, Valerie. I wish they'd just call a national day of prayer all together and heal our whole country. But uh, Well, they are doing a big prayer thing. It's on 42608, and the whole nation's going to be praying on that specific time from 6 to 8 p.m. When? You, you can go to Cottonwood High School from 6 to 8 p.m. It's called the Rain Down USA, and the whole nation, they're trying to gather them to pray all at the same time for the nation. So, Valerie, you called right at the right time. I sure did. Thank you. Okay, God bless you. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we have any time? Where are we at? Minute and a half. Minute and a half. One more caller. Who is it? Our malfunction is malfunctioning again. Yeah, it's... Oh, we did have... We have someone on lines? Well, listen. Operator, if you clear one, let me know. In the meantime, I want to do a special message to a girl in New York who was sitting in a park today and has had many people praying for her, and she had three Christians approach her and talk to her in her language about the importance of Jesus Christ. And I happened to call this young lady uh, right after. I felt inclined to call her, and she was uh, in tears. And she was not understanding what was going on. And I just want to tell her, the Lord's working on you, and all you got to do is turn your will over to Him, ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and to be Lord of your life, to become born again, and He will do it, Mallory McCraney. So you listen to those three Christian people who came to you in the park today, and you listen to these people who are trying to share this message with you, and you're going to find new life in Him and not in anybody else. So next week, we're going to continue on with, oh, and one other thing, Brandon. Brandon and Kara, congratulations. Brandon came to the Lord. He was LDS. He left the church, regenerated, told the story last night. Yeah, awesome. Our congratulations to Brandon and Kara, and uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you all next week here on Heart of the Matter. Break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna
mind.